Welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. Of course, Reed. We I think that Windows noise just came on through the podcast, so <laughs> give some of a good start. <laughs> I'm not going to record. You know how sometimes our guests are like, "So you can cut that out and post." It's like, no, yeah. can't. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> no we, editing. We can, but we don't. No, I'll just pretend that was one of our new um, um, drops. Drops. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was at. Um, some people will know this. I've seen the video uh, that we wear these headsets instead of using the mics now um, that have like the, the uh, whatever the, the boom mic on it. Oh, we, are you talking about the giant drop down mics? Well, we had those other. Yeah, we had those that were on the arm. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't ever remember using those. We did. That I was know the first we bought couple. them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're yeah, right. It was you're in the right. old office. When Brian and then, had a set up. Yeah. Yeah. And it, they were cool, but it was like, I kept like trying to look around them, like uh, to, to look you in the eye yeah. when I was talking to you. <laughs> and then the other thing was like, you know, if someone's moving around, if you're not trained to like bring it with you, you lose the audio. Anyways, yeah. we were at Shake Shack because uh, we actually went to a movie this week and it was crazy. Yeah, it's like good the for first you guys. Movie what and, did like, you see? You're going to hate this, but I went because it was so corny. Um, it was, it's called like, you're going to tell me something starring Keanu Reeves? <laughs> Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm hit or miss with Nick Cage. Dude, it's, I, it's a bit of a love-hate with him. I'm usually like a, a total miss with Nick Cage. I mean, I love his 90s movies. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yeah, it does not ring a bell. Yeah, it didn't, I did not know it existed <laughs> before we were looking to go. But basically, here's the synopsis. In this action-packed comedy, Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a super fan and the CIA. Wow. Basically Nick Cage is like he's like he's at the bottom of his barrel with um, his careers in the toilet. He plays this. He's playing himself. Like oh. my my career's in the toilet and his money manager is like you dude you're like bankrupt. You got no money. And then some guy offers him a million bucks to come to his birthday party. And his his agent's like you should go and he's like okay fine I go but then I'm quitting acting. I'm done with this town. They don't mm-hmm. they don't appreciate talent. And uh, he goes, and this guy turns out to be an arms dealer. Like, <laughs> and so the CIA recruits Nick Cage to be Nick Cage at the birthday party and like take down this arms dealer. Wow! And it and this arms dealer is like a super fan. He's got like the uh, the guns from Face Off. He's got like this like shrine to Nick Cage, and uh, it's totally wacky and cheesy as it sounds. And so we went, and it was it was awesome. So you're saying it was awesome? You, yeah. You'd well, highly recommend. <laughs> I think because like what I get a kick out of is like Nick Cage is one of those that he must have, it feels like he's done like 10 DVD, straight to DVD flicks a year now for like the last 10 years. <laughs> and so I love this idea of like leaning into, leaning into Your it. demise. <laughs> and then like being just, I guess, vulnerable in that way. Cause he was like a, you know, a yeah, crazy movie he was star. A legit star yeah. And then he, you know, has done whatever he's. I, I'm he's sure done. he would have preferred it be an example like Travolta, because that same thing happened, but instead of this weird contrived like screenplay, um, it was Pulp Fiction. You know, it's a little yeah, bit way better way. Back. Yeah, a little bit better way of coming back. Yeah, but then you got to well, and then he lost it again, right? Travolta yeah, did. exactly. <laughs> he's he's back in the spiral. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. One of the quotes that Nick Cage makes in the movie, he's like. 
why is it okay for other people that just love to work to just be able to go out and work really hard? But for an actor, it's like, hey, the audience needs to miss you. Like, don't work very often. Right. Do very few. And he's like, I just love to work. So I'm going to keep doing more movies. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. It depends what you want. Do you want to be the movie star? Do you want to just be like acting a lot? I think most of them, there you go, can't help it. You know? Yeah. They want to be the star. Yeah. Well, it's a crazy flick that one night when you and Miranda get too much wine, too far down in a bottle. You I'm going to, yeah, throw that one, one on. it may be 60 before I see that <laughs> one, but, but I will try to keep it in the back of my head. So Shake Shack, we went to Shake Shack and they had like the NBA on and they were wearing our headsets. I was oh, like, oh, yeah. look, we should be courtside. Yeah, so totally. Said. That's right. They do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, as I like to talk about whatever, 20, 2050, do, do we think that they'll still, we'll still see these types of headsets yeah. like on sports commentators like it just seems absurd but then again like there's some realities that you just can't get around as far as oh that's fun to think about because if you think back to like the 40s and 50s they had the really big mics mm -hmm. and like that was like size of your head and then they went to like in the 70s and 80s they went to like like pencil mics like oh yeah. we just like uh think of like bob barker like or whatever right, right? <laughs> <Bob>. <laughs> yeah. for those that don't know the price is right before yeah. is it drew yeah. carey now uh, I don't know who's taken over. I think it was Drew Carey for a while. But anyways, then uh, then we went back to like giant ass mics. Like yeah. we had, um, well, now all the podcasters, like they have giant mics. And then I'm even thinking of uh, the fake mics that are on like the uh, nighttime host uh, thing. Like Larry King always had the giant one up there. Right. It was like unused for sure. Right. right. It was almost more a prop. You <laughs> yeah, know? definitely a prop. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. I won't speculate on that right now. Oh, okay. Well, uh, today our... Did we mention this is a podcast about multifamily marketing? <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't like the f five and a half minute detour? <laughs> no. Uh, I, I'm all for it. This will say... You know, it's funny that we used to... Do you remember that? Are you forgetting that we used to introduce... Uh, yeah. We did like 30 second like intro yeah, in case just people... so everybody knew. What yeah. We... <laughs> now, we're so, now we're as big as we're Nick so Cage. We're so established. We don't exactly. have to introduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was talking to Kelsey, uh, Chelsea actually at lunch and this might take us uh, to where we want to go today, but she was like, yeah, the podcast has been really helpful. Like I can see current employees must really love it. Cause they get to stay up to date. And I was like, not sure how much they love even they tune in, let's say, <laughs> but uh, it is a good resource for that. And she was like, so how prepped are you guys? Like, what are you guys doing for today? I was like, well, we were going to have Katie on, but she's sick. So we're going to wing it. And she just started to like hyperventilate. She's like, how can you stand <laughs> not planning a topic? I was like, we got used to it. <laughs> yeah. When you have really low standards, Chelsea, it's yeah. amazing what you can get comfortable yeah. with. <laughs> yeah. So on that front, uh, we thought it might be good to just um, uh, talk a little bit about Digital uh, as a moving, uh, migrating semi into a, a product company. And we don't have this all defined yet, but just being more open about where we're at. And I know, Reed, you and I have gone back and forth and said, what's it really mean to be a product company versus a service or a tech company? And we don't have that defined yet. No, no. I think you rose the flag first, and um, but it was a fair, fair thing to point out is how how are we defining and how do you really make that transition, especially internally, like kind of start promoting that transition if you if you haven't even defined exactly what it means. So for us, you know, product, especially in a digital martech, I guess industry, 
um, looks a lot different than other, I guess, companies that more consumer, you know, or retail based. So just using Apple is the easy one. It's mm-hmm. like, that's super easy to know that that's a product company. Um, but when you're building digital solutions, like we are, you know, where do you kind of draw that line? How do you know something's a product? We couldn't yeah. even settle on websites. You know, yeah. Does that make us a product company if we start selling websites? Yeah. And so uh, just to back up for a second of Digible's um, transformation, uh, as we've talked about on this show with uh, Jim Collins, some of the Jim Collins stuff in our uh, vision, um, we want to have the largest um, breadth for multifamily when it comes to advertising. And at first we had put uh, put that scale on there um, and we had 10,000 properties was our goal. And that was more about like Fiona recommendations or like, let's get Fiona on 10,000 properties. Then when we re uh, like visited our vision or I guess no mission, which one is it? Mission. Yeah. Mission. Thank you. All right. (laughs) We had the vision of like the uh, employee culture, progressive change, but the mission like that, what's, what's the next 10 or 20 years. Then we landed on having the most scale in advertising multifamily. And the reason was so that we could have influence in the industry. So that um, to build a more collaborative forward thinking industry is, um, I know I'm dancing around it. So uh, my point there is we had said it was all Fiona and then it, then we came to the realization, like there's a lot more products that we may release that are not just Fiona centric because we found that that's a really uh, strong, I guess, set. Like it's a good, great skill of ours is to come up with new product ideas, test them and then roll them out to market. And so we still obviously have Fiona, but now we're starting to have this suite of products or a portfolio of products. So we've got automated Google posts. We're going to release to be named, let's call it like Google syndication, just, you know, your automated uh, floor plans and pricing in your Google profile every day. Um, and websites is one of those as well. And so the thought here is, okay, Digible, uh, so how did we get there? Digible does great services now, but we don't want to get to a thousand people. We want to keep our headcount under 150. So if that's the case, Digible can only do so many service clients uh, because you're limited by headcount at some point. So then how can, how can Digible still scale to have the largest footprint in multifamily except through technology? So let's, let's use our skills on services, find out pain points of clients, then build some sort of tech product and then roll that out to market. And then where we're starting to take that is we we're rolling some of this out internally to, to our uh, clients, but we're also now partnering, partnering with other companies where we uh, let their sales force take it and roll it out. Yep. Well, good context uh, for everybody that's still with us. <laughs> but um, which was a more interesting five minutes, my Nick Cage story or this? I mean, come on. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> well, um, one thing I I think that makes a product company not that you and I, but who knows? Maybe we will settle this right now. Um, is if you're not a one-trick pony, I have a hard time viewing uh, a company as a product company if they only have essentially one product. And I won't name names here, but I think you can pretty quickly think of a few examples of that, um, even within our industry. And there's nothing wrong with that. This isn't a criticism. It's just, to me, a product company is a company you can, should expect every, you know, at least year. Um, I mean, there has to be some frequency there, is creating new solutions. Um, in our case, I think we have to view it that way, but our tech solutions that are kind of plug and play that they can pull off the shelf and immediately use to help scale their own business. Um, if there's some gray area in this for me, it's like, are we, should we be just defining ourselves more, which is what we originally had latched onto as an ad tech company now, or a MarTech company versus a product company. Um, that's what I was saying up front is because of the space that we're in and it is ad and marketing technology that we're developing, um, 
it's not as clean or clear as it might be for, for some other companies and, you know, taking on that label of product. But, um, I mentioned this to you. I've had a few conversations. The last one was a a lunch with Alex O'Brien, CEO over there at Cardinal group. And, you know, he said, I totally see you guys as a product company. Um, just the amount of innovation, the things that you guys are building, you know, for the the digital agencies out there. And in their case, you know, 53 is, is pretty amazing. I mean, it was super, you know, kind words and, um, but it, it, it was, it, he wasn't the first I'd, I've heard that now from a few people as they think digital. And I feel like some of our partners have also used the, the product company, uh, kind of moniker for us. Um, so it's just a question now, <sighs> You know, how do we, I guess, settle with that? And then what changes at Digital um, if we if we are headed that route? And one of the things that obviously I've been excited to see you get an opportunity to start to, to work on more has been the product vision, because we've said, you know, it was somewhat by default, but now it's more like intentional and full ownership for you is because uh, you were managing the organic team. But now being able to spend a lot more time on product as well as partnerships, um, and what's next, you know, what does that look like for you? And obviously most lately we've been talking a lot about the organizational design, you know, that that would be one of those things you'd, you'd see as a product company, there would actually be some, um, some devoted, you know, kind of specialists and, um, FTEs, uh, entirely focused on product. So maybe that's a good place for jumping off place for you to well, give me your thoughts on that. Well, a couple of things. One is on the product company. One one thing I've been thinking a lot about of a lot about is uh, Digital doesn't have a sales team as we know, um, and it always seems to befuddle folks that we talk to, whether it be other network relationships in the industry or new employees. Like you just went to lunch and came back saying, "How come we don't have a sales team?" Um, but our growth has always been really, really strong. So I look at that and, uh, there's a couple of times uh, types of growth. There's one that's like a sales and marketing growth company. And then there's also a product led, uh, growth company. We're clearly a product led growth company. Like, uh, so back to it, our websites, a product, our it's paid search a product. I'd say all of that is a product. It's, there's the digital product, if you will. And that is what's leading our growth is just the you know, whatever the chicken tastes so good, like people keep buying chicken. Right. Um, but then there's, uh, recognizing that leaning into it. So as, as we're saying, there's going to be some limiters here. If we're saying head counts a limiter, we can only do so much, sell so much of the current chicken. So then what can we do? Um, also a couple things on, on having multiple products to, to your point, there's extreme strength. Uh, Nicole and I were just listening, uh, probably why I mentioned chicken, but we were listening to a, how I built this on raising canes that, you know that company? Mm-mm. It's like a, well, it's a it's a fast food restaurant that just sells four items. It's like chicken tenders and like Texas There's a toast. Lot of, and yeah, those QSRs that will do that. Exactly. So um, they just focused on that. Now the problem is what if uh, you're at risk, right? If all of a sudden we all learn that chicken causes cancer, it's like, shoot, man, now what do you do you're if done. you're raising canes, right? <laughs> and I view that here like, a, I don't, did you see the news about Netflix? No, they, well, there's lots of news. <laughs> they well, just they just had their first down quarter where they didn't no. have subscriber growth. No, so their stock tanked thirty five percent because they they like maybe I did see that. Well, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. yeah, well, so you have one product if you're Netflix and you don't have any other ad supported options or anything, and now they're thinking about that. Probably isn't rea- reaction to this. Um, but you have one down quarter, you drop a third in value. Like that's scary, right? Yeah. So I think you could have the same thing if Digital only sold paid search and 
then a bit better mousetrap comes out. Now what happens? Right. So I think there's, to your point, value in having, uh, as a company, defensible other models. Then there's obviously, you if you only have... If you only sell Netflix, you can only sell one thing to a household. Now you're, that's it right now. We've got full, full, uh, share of wallet for that household as far as what we offer, um, versus, you know, coming up with some additional products. So, uh, websites, that's what we brought Chelsea in for actually is to be our new website product manager. And it's something that we've, we talked a little bit about on the, uh, on this before. Um, but it's just something we've been very tentative to get into because, uh, websites are scary for us, right? It's, it's not historically it's been more brand creative driven, not less data driven. And so we had to really see like, is this something that would fit into our product set? Is it something that we could make disrupt in some way, like bring our own flavor to market versus just building a commodity product um, that's similar to everybody else. And I'm excited about it. There's um, well, yeah, there's, there's still a lot more to do. We're probably, you know, nine months to a year out from going to market at large with, with what the vision is. Um, but I'm excited to get started on it. Well, I'll ask you a direct question. Do you see websites, generally speaking, as a product or a service? I, I see them more as a product. Yeah, I, I agree. Why would you say that versus search? <laughs> I was like, shoot, is this a trick question? <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. But but you were just saying kind of it sounded like almost the collection of our services is, is our product. Um, it's like when people say the product you put on the field, like when they're talking yeah, about sports. Yeah. It's like that's a collection of everything that we do and, and we see it as our product. So I think yeah. that's what you were indicating or applying like kind of on some of the service stuff. But how would you just uh, kind of delineate between uh, search as a product and websites as a product? Well, and I'll give you my answer. I'm not trying to no, put you on the hot seat. Well, the um, what well, was cold in here this morning? So <laughs> if you give me the butt warmer, I'll take it. Um, the, uh, the I actually used to say services because everybody thinks of agency services, and they just it's just like natural. But I hadn't really thought about services. Like, should it be services or not? Um, but all these books that we're reading talk about productizing your service. So I've, we've read a lot of, you know, uh, company building books recently and they're all like, what's the limiter for most service business businesses is that, uh, the owner will get too ingrained and they have to be there and they have to be represented they have to know every client. So it limits a lot to even pass the million dollar revenue mark. I think we've done a great job of, we still stay close to the customer, uh, you, me, Nicole, but we're not, we don't know every customer at this point. In fact, I probably know less than half the customers at this point. And so I think we've done a great job of productizing our service, just like all the books say, but it was just kind of natural for us. And I think that's really interesting because, um, when we were at Ad Taxi uh, in Denver Post, uh, you had always come up to me like, David, you, when are you going to top out here? You, you can't handle whatever, a thousand clients or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I remember at the time thinking like, why not? What's the problem with this? As long as we kept sort of building the structure we were Hiring building. people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Around you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It just, it's just going to be this. Uh, Army. Yeah, basically. And that's kind of what we started doing here. And it is, uh, as all of those business building books uh, regarding services have talked about, we have productized that service, but then you hit this point where you end up becoming like a, I don't want to say a boiler room. I mean, you could lean into that. We've leaned away from being a boiler room, but you just end up, as you're saying, do it on a headcount. It's just formulaic, which there's some benefit to that, but then there's also the negatives. You don't really get economies of scale. In some ways you actually get less scale as you get bigger because you need middle management to fit in there. So you become less, less profitable in some way. So while you may be investing in some technology to help automate and standardize things, you then have extra human capital you didn't need when you're smaller. 
uh, then what we're trying to do obviously now is now how do we like break out of that where it's not just like one person for every hundred accounts or whatever the formula is for that particular team. Um, and I don't, I don't think you're, you're ever going to get fully away from that. It's kind of like a production line, right? Like if you're going to make, I'll go back to my chicken fingers, like <laughs> you got to buy an, another machine <laughs> to produce more chicken fingers, but you can make that machine more efficient, right? It's kind of how like Tesla operates 24 hours a day versus whatever, eight hour shifts or like, uh, actually another good example, Tesla has invested a lot in its own AI robots to help automate as much of the process as they can versus human capital. And that's where we're at on the service product side. So I know those long winded way to, before we got to your answer. No, I think um, you kind of finished up right where I was going to go if you didn't, which is, and you didn't say this explicitly, but for me, if what you're, um, if you have automated, and I don't think it's as simple as 51%, but of a service, then doesn't that constitute or mean that it's a product? Um, because services connotes to me like people, you know, like are heavily involved, you know, but product to me is the opposite. It's like that shouldn't mean that there's, you know, a bunch of hands like having to to be involved or a bunch of people involved in order. I don't know if I should say to produce it because now I'm starting to think more in retail terms. But when it comes to the ad tech, martech world, I think that's when it's fair to say this is a product is if it's not something that requires, uh, yeah, manual work uh, to predominantly like get it, get it to market. Well, for those uh, business books that I'm mentioning there, they more speak to, it's almost like you have a in and out burger menu where it's like, hey, you've got these four options. And then that is, that's a product mm -hmm. versus like the fully customized thing. I think we've done a great job of differentiating ourselves to kind of have that menu, but at the same time, allowing customization within. Now, it's interesting because if you think about the automotive industry, at one point they had like, you could change out everything from the seatbelt co uh, color, mm -hmm. right? To like mm -hmm. the fringe or whatever the, the, the sewing thread on the steering wheel. And then many of them have gone backwards. Like with Tesla at the beginning, they, they didn't have a lot of options. They're like, all right, you kind of get, we this produce these three colors. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's this almost like um, cyclical nature of things where like at the beginning, you kind of need to offer like uh, customized customizable service if you're a smaller boutique so that people like glom on like oh i'm getting this really personalized experience then as you get larger you want to try to like cut down the skews like what steve jobs did when he came back to apple and was like we're gonna have three skews not like 40 skews mm -hmm. and then now apple again today it's got back to like 40 skews right uh, so it's like can you then mechanize your workflow so that you can support all these skews versus just having three of them so for us, I think we've done a great blend of that and we've actually maintained a lot of our customizability within, but we, it's the way we present it to the clients that, that is like, well, hey, let's try to make this simple. And then over time, if you know, we'll grow with you if you want to you know, graduate into more sophisticated stuff. So to me, it's less about the 51%. It's more about like, you know, you, we've got this, you know, I'll take number three, right, is, uh, on the combo menu. Yeah, that very much is the marketing end of it. Um, which is super important. And that's also something we're grappling with right now. I mean, we had a big goal at the beginning of the year that I think we definitely covered on this podcast, but as a quick refresher, um, you know, digital sets three to five goals each year that, you know, basically are our guiding light, you know, for the year and everything else is supposed to connect to that. And one of those goals this year in 2022 was to establish a clear product kind of life cycle process. 
Um, and we've had a lot of people's kind of hands in that, um, and rightfully so, because we don't have um, a full product team kind of built out. Um, but uh, and within that is is the marketing side of it, the communication side of it. And I think that's something that um, we're getting better at, but still trying to kind of sort through uh, for something like Google Post exactly you know, how to, how to approach that, how to kind of tease it and then ultimately, um, you know, activate it and then maintain it, um, uh, both website, paid media campaigns and events and all the rest. And that has me thinking still kind of where we sit now with the whole portfolio product portfolio versus, um, a suite like Adobe where everything kind of connects versus the platform. And, uh, that's something right now we still settled with portfolio. What do you think would be needed for us to be kind of going to market more as a suite or ultimately as a platform? And do you have that cadence, I guess, is it like we should ultimately end with the MOS as a platform and all the products are really driving towards that MOS being marketing operating system. Or um, do you think that we're likely to stay in kind of this portfolio product, this portfolio, um, stage, uh, you know, for the indefinite future. And maybe if you'd like, you can further explain that just a tad as far as kind of this product portfolio. Yeah. So uh, I think it was Rachel that sent us that. Mm, yeah, uh, Rachel and Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Like a year or so ago, but basically there's this great article that broke down, like you can have a product portfolio, a product suite or a product platform. And depending how you are, uh, like how your company is structured and how everything integrates sort of determines if you're a suite portfolio or platform. Platform is more like, I'm, I'm, I mean, if it's been a year since I've read this article, but think of platform more uh, like Apple or something like that, where, or no, uh, I'll say Salesforce. To, uh, that's yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, so Salesforce, like you, people can build on top of it, but it kind of acts as the hub of the wheel of mm -hmm. everything. Um, then you have a portfolio. Portfolio, as the article described, is more of you have best-in-class products that some may or may not integrate with one another, but you don't, you can kind of like switch them in, switch them out, like, uh, and, uh, as you, as you wish. And you have suite and suite, uh, was like Adobe or a Google suite where, um, sure you can take an Excel doc from, from, you know, Microsoft office and then pull it into Google. It's not the best experience and vice versa, taking a, a Google sheet to, to Excel, not the best experience, but they'll mm -hmm. work together. Mm -hmm. Um, so we determined that we were more in that uh, portfolio stage at the moment where we had a lot of best in class solutions. Some of them work well uh, or integrate with one another and some don't, but they don't have to be, they can stand on their own. I think we're going to be in that category for some time. I think, um, to go platform, we'd have to think more venture style. Like we got to invest a lot of cash into building something where, and I like Bill Gates's definition of a platform where everybody else that builds on top of you captures more value than you capture as the platform. So his point is like everybody that built software for windows makes more money together than windows or Microsoft ever makes itself from selling windows. So, um, that means the ecosystem would have to be large enough for that to make sense and our penetration of the ecosystem for that to make sense. It's kind of like a, a Yardy or a real page right now is an example of a, a of a platform there. I'd say not great platforms, but meaning cause they don't, it's unlike Salesforce. You can't really build well on top of them. Um, you can sort of, you know, hanky, uh, but you know, not great. Um, and then to be a, a suite, we'd have to, again, build that infrastructure to have a great, um, well, experience for where everything integrates. We don't have the tech team yet to go like to, to go that large uh, on things. And also, we don't have enough products like totally scoped out and figured out to know how they would fit together for the MOS. So I think we're going to be more in this portfolio stage where we have best in class solutions for different 
problems. And then uh, what I think is going to happen is we're going to then migrate into probably the suite um, as we f- find product market fit of how these, how all these, you know, con- uh, I was going to, I wanted to say like connect a set, but, or erect your set, but I guess it's more <laughs> of a Lego set, how they can all like Lego together. And then if that goes well and we have great scale, then I think you mature into a platform to now you're like, Hey, uh, you don't like our, Google post automation solution, you can use someone else's, but you can pipe the data into our platform to view blah, 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 and get recommendations. So that's kind of the, I guess, our growth trajectory as I see it. No, I think that was really well uh, articulated. I I would say that on the suite side, I don't know how much I feel like it. they need to integrate. I mean, better if they do, but I was just thinking about the Microsoft Office suite. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I know already like PowerPoint has the ability and does use some of the functionality of Excel, but it's not like super interdependent or obvious Mm -hmm. integrations. They really just collectively are serving the same purpose, which is to help offices, you know, deal with kind of their back office uh, type of stuff as well as presentations, et cetera. So I don't know if I'm thinking about that right. But but what would, would you consider Amazon in that, in those three categories? Wow. Well, as you defined it, um, I would say uh, a portfolio Um, because how do you connect Whole Foods? I mean, I can already answer that, but not, it's not super obvious. And now with their interest in healthcare, um, you know, the the servers versus the e-com. Yeah. I feel like it's pretty disparate when you look at now what they've built. Um, I was going to quickly say the platform, but Mm -hmm. it's not something that, people, other people are really building around. I mean, Shopify's and whatnot are having to kind of forge their own way when it comes to that stuff. And then as far as a suite, there's, I don't, I don't see it at all. See, I think this is a really interesting thought experiment. Cause I, if you look at just their e-commerce side, I feel it's more of a platform because before Shopify existed, it, you have all these SMBs that are rushing to that, to their platform to get their goods up to then use their infrastructure on like packaging, shipping, like um, checkout experience, blah, blah, blah. Then uh, they started to go kind of anti-platform where they're like, great, I see that your, you know, weenie whistle is selling really well. So we're going to make the Amazon basics weenie whistle and like cut you out. So then they're like being, you know, anti-competitive by like, Mm -hmm. uh, by capitalizing on those products. And you see the same thing with like, um, I'd say like AWS, like that Amazon web services, like that's, a platform. It was built to be a platform. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and it's working well, people, the, some of their parts are making more money off AWS and AWS mm-hmm. is itself. The, the thing though, with Amazon is to your point, they've got very, it feels siloed, um, parts of their organization. And there's some benefit to that because now you are de-risking because like if e-commerce starts to take a dip, does that mean AWS takes a dip? Not, not necessarily, but then you have the Jim Collins problem with focus. Mm-hmm. Like what the hell, like how do we even wrap our heads around you, Amazon as a, as a customer base when you are just trying all these things. And I think Google got into that trap as we've talked about before where they would like Alphabet. Google wave or whatever. And it's just like, do you care about this? Or is this just like an experiment? And now as a customer, I start to lose faith, like on whatever the new cool thing you have out there is it's like, I'll try it later. Cause I don't know if you'll stick with it. Yep. And even it's Amazon seven powers, you know, in brand. Yeah. I mean, like if you think about Amazon, themselves. I feel like they're not as tied to it as Google was with like Google glass or whatever, but like the fire phone hurt my confidence in something. So it's like, uh, 
now the Amazon Echo uh, or whatever, like Alexa unit, that's interesting. But when it first came out, it's like, well, the Fire Phone's not doing so hot. Are we going to keep the Alexa around as well? Mm-hmm. Luckily, Alexa didn't have as much like, you know, upfront commit as buying a phone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like there was some like, all right, maybe I'll take a risk on 50 bucks or something when you run this special. Um, so I'm just pointing out, like I, it makes me wonder if Jim Collins would think uh, Amazon is actually a great company or not because they are missing that huge area of focus, it feels like. And uh, from a messaging and communication standpoint, to your point with our products, uh, going to market, it's like feels kind of way all over the place. And there's different partners inside of multifamily that we've met with. And you and I sometimes will be like, well, what the heck are you guys focusing on? Like, what is your mission here? Mm-hmm. So I like that we've got our mission about let's get the largest scale, but I could understand that if we talked to everybody about every new MVP test product that we were doing, it may feel a little scatterbrained and then clients may start to feel like, Oh shoot, do I trust in this thing? Or will I wait? Do I want to be an early adopter? I don't know if they'll stick behind it. So those are things we're going to have to work out. And then, you've talked before about, do you put pharmaceutical grades on this? Like this is a D product, meaning right. early, but a clinical trials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it's uh yeah. It doesn't have the same standards. I think uh, it's, I was just telling you this morning that I bumped into the co-founders of Snowbond, which most people probably haven't heard of, but it's here in Colorado and it's indoor skiing instruction uh, using some, some pretty cool technology to mimic what it feels like to be up on a mountain. And uh, we just started riffing and come to find out they, you know, are uh, adopting EOS in the middle of that, which is, you know, the entrepreneurial operating system that David, you brought to us about three years ago and has been so powerful for us. And I'm connecting this as you talk about um, kind of that Jim Collins and, you know, the focus and, you know, disparate, I guess, product portfolios for them. uh, You know, it's been all about skiing, but they already, and I I don't want to say they're being premature, but they're looking now more at action sports. And she actually openly said, I don't know if this is kind of more the flywheel because we had talked Mm. about that the natural progression of what we're starting with indoor ski instruction and moving into some of these other kind of action sport categories, uh, whether that's, you know, mountain biking or whatever that may be, or are we, are we getting diluted or kind of distracting ourselves um, with some of these other initiatives? And I said, that's a great question. I think, you know, everybody kind of has to answer that, I suppose, on some level for themselves, but whether you can get comfortable with it, being just a broader category, but still feel like you're focused. Because if you look at digital and all the things that we're putting out there, almost all of them are directed at multifamily uh, marketing or digital advertising solutions. You know that. But if you were to kind of break us down, you'd be like, how does calls, for example, connect to fair housing? And we're able to demonstrate a lot of that connectivity that may not be so obvious. But at the end of the day, um, it's still Whole Foods versus Amazon. Yeah. Right. What? I mean, like the fair housing the versus your, the calls? Well, the, meaning how it could feel disparate. Like you said with Whole Foods, like that you could connect it, but it wasn't as obvious. I'm saying right. that's how you're I think about. ours, yeah. I think ours is far more obvious though. I was actually going to say that one to me is still not a head scratcher because I think people know why they did it. And, you know, it was, you know, controlled data as well as I'm sure they saw like the business, you know, opportunity but a lot of it was just as much as they can understand and own, frankly, consumer insights, the more powerful they become. And that's been to me like kind of the driving or the impetus for, for where they've gone with some of these say less obvious moves as far as their bigger acquisitions. But for us, you know, I, I do think everything's still pretty tethered to multifamily marketing 
and advertising, like with everything that we're producing and kind of pursuing. Well, except for, so back to Jim Collins focus or even EOS that it talks about, um, well, it talks about focus and niche where we've always gotten hung up is they don't do a great job at defining how big is too big of a niche or too small. Cause when you talk about digital advertising for multifamily on the outside, looking in, if you're whatever, a venture investor, you're like, hell yeah, you guys are targeted. Right. But at mm-hmm. some point when you get inside of it and it's like, well, there's search and social and TikTok and ways or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like, oh shoot, you guys aren't focused. But they often talk about, you don't want too small of a niche. Like we are the, the solution for ways advertising for multifamily, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. probably not mm-hmm. the way to go. Although like apartment geofencing, like that, uh, they're crushing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like last time we talked to him. Yeah. But they are branching out. Uh, if you remember when That's we interviewed right, him the there TV and some stuff, well, not just that, but categorically they're now uh, doing quite a bit oh, with restaurants. Yeah. 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 So that, so I guess they weren't, seeing the growth, like, are they either identified other opportunities or they weren't meeting the the trajectory that they had hoped just staying a multifamily? Yeah. So I guess it's like anything, as you get into the weeds, you're like, shoot, should they have given like 20% or a hundred thousand or whatever? Like how do they, they don't really help define market size. You don't want to be too big, too small, but I guess that's where you got to figure it out for yourself to your point earlier. Uh, we've got to decide when do we feel we're too niched and we want to put more, more focus on senior living or add another product to the portfolio? And at what point is it too many? Cause we have now like 17 or 18 SKUs. If you look across, you know, everything that we offer, <laughs> which to some scary to hear that. Yeah. Some folks it's not, it's not a lot, right? Like when I worked at uh, national paintball supply, we had like 200,000 SKUs. Like that was a lot of different things. Uh, so, you know, 14 is not bad, but it's still a lot when you're talking about, um, you know, I guess that like in and out burger menu. Yeah. Well, the other part of the, that focus in Collins is the hedgehog, but, um, you know, he talks about, you know, how, how do you know if it's, I guess, a product or a service for that matter that you, you should pursue and you're going to need to help me for, I have a feeling on the third one, but I know it's, does it support your economic engine? So that's more just kind of the business case for it. Um, something that's going to be profitable and scalable, and then two is, is it something that you can be the best in the world at? And I can stop on that one because I think, you know, what he doesn't say, but it's perhaps implied is the best in the, your industry um, because websites is a perfect example of that. Are we saying that we can be the best website company in the world? No, like I'm not. I don't think that's what we're shooting for. Poor Chelsea. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, low, bar low. Chelsea, like, <laughs> yeah, this should be one of your sound drops. Um but I do think we have the chance to be the best website company in our industry. And that's a big statement because there are some very uh, kind of, I guess, established and solid website companies, I guess, or mostly geared that direction. But some of the things which out without tipping our hand or, you know, what we plan to be our secret sauce. I know you've teased this a little bit, but I think those are the things that will make us transformative. What's the third one? What am I missing? So it's best in the world at sports or economic engine. What is there a third one? Yeah. Oh, I think it's, um, I think it's related to, to people maybe. Um, well, I, I lost it, wow. but either way, I think that's something um, that's super helpful. I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest questions asked. And I mentioned that to the founders there, Snowbomb uh, or Snowbomb. I just said, do you think you can be the best of the world of all these other ones? And mm-hmm. if you can't, can you get comfortable with that? Which also ties us, you know, as I'm jumping around books, but to Bob Iger and he's like, one thing you can't accept if you want a company to be great is mediocrity. And um, 
you know, is it as simple as you're either the best in the world or you're mediocre or, you know, is it more of a gradient than that, that, you know, people can, uh, can yeah. work around. Well, and also the best in the world. I think it, it, I mean, I know he says best in the world, but I'd say like in your area. Weight class. Sure. I, I guess where I was going. Well, that's is, why I said industry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but even with Snowbond, like that's so, um, location specific, they don't need to compete with the Abu Dhabi indoor like mm-hmm. skiing place. Right. right like they just right. got to compete with like in Colorado and right. then their to, ecosystem. Yeah. Right. And then how big do you want to get back to knowing? Cause if they wanted to keep to scale to 200 locations, like, okay, now you probably need your, your whatever sphere is larger than it, if you're just focusing on Colorado. It's passion. <laughs> passion. It's okay. passion. Oh, you remember nice. that now? Yeah. I it's like, you have to, you, you could be the greatest and it could support the economic engine, but yeah. if the people that are doing it are not, you know, extremely passionate about it, then it's destined to fail. Yeah, that's right. Well, it makes me question a few things that people haven't lost. <laughs> How many people don't have passion for what we're doing? Yeah. Well, we've run into some of that, right? Yeah. With some of the yeah. stuff we've tried to put out and it hasn't uh, really led, I, I don't know, built up as much momentum as we would have hoped for internally. Yeah. yeah. And then, and you know, it had, it, that presented some challenges. Yeah. Well, it's funny because we've talked a lot of times about, I feel like we've on different episodes about passion and in some ways, like, I mean, you and I, we've said we're not, super passionate about apartment marketing, but you know, we find a way to get pumped up. Like you said, you couldn't sleep last night. Right. So there are ways that, <laughs> that like that passion bleeds through, but um, yeah, it's just one of those ongoing challenges. It's funny. Cause I was think I, w- I was doing a lot of um, a lot of the books I was reading this week and we're hitting on this and, and about your organizational design and your employee culture and like, do they, you know, believe or care in the mission and whatever, whatever. And it's, and it's funny. Cause I think that does apply to having a great company, but in other ways, you just can't expect that every, well, I guess that's why they say a great company. Cause not every company can just have, you know, 94% of its population, just, pa- just loving, you know, passionate about the, the work they're doing each day. And obviously that's where I guess us and, and even the big tech companies have started to compensate more with like, okay, what else can we, how else can we add, be additive to your life? So you're passionate about, you know, overall um, and not just like, because of the the one singular mission. Yeah. Well, I think where you are looking for 94% or better, um, but uh, even there you need to be realistic is your purpose is because uh, the purpose, you know, um, your products, your services, your people are all contributing hopefully towards achieving that purpose or pursuing it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would not be happy if it's like we only have half the people on board with like kind of the bigger, bigger goal yeah. at Digital. And, um, but there'll be things along the line, you know, whether it's a service or a product where folks aren't as excited, but as long as they still feel that energy and commitment to the Mm -hmm. the bigger, bigger picture, the purpose, then hopefully, uh, you know, they can get through those. Well, and then as you've seen in the lunches and coffees you've been doing recently, the more it seems I could understand how we're more excited by things in our position because we get to see all of these moving pieces and how they like will converge and fit together and then make a a better rocket ship or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, the person that came in off an internship and you just have like your little five foot circle that you're looking at, you may be like, uh, uh, why am I passionate about this Mm -hmm. (laughs) or that? Mm -hmm. And the more that we teach those folks, like how all of these large strategic pieces, 
you know, it's like Pangea or something. Right? <laughs> I like, almost said that. Yeah, I really? can't believe you brought up Pangea. <laughs> and uh, Pangea blew up, so it we're, split we're apart. trying Versus to like together. <laughs> go the other direction, like bring it back. You know, yeah. the continents are converging yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. Well, they seem to get excited by that, so that's our challenge, I guess. Is you know, um, yeah. setting uh, setting vision and direction for the company is help showing the, them those pieces so that they get pumped up. Well, um, I'm gonna wrap us up and uh, I don't know what that means as far as time, but uh, bringing it back to somewhat where we started, which was, um, you know, the transition and, and what that entails. And this is more from our perspective now, but you know, what, what's going to be needed or what we're thinking over the next few years, uh, not necessarily a full decade out here, but given that, you know, this is uh, whether it's temporary or whether it's uh, kind of indefinite, um, you know, with you moving more squarely on top of product as well as partnerships, but just let's focus on product. Um, how are you thinking about it as far as, you know, your next six to 12 months or even the next few years, whether it's organizational design or whether it's, um, you know, MVPs, we've talked bullets versus cannons, um, you know, rollouts, how you're going to, you know, kind of in, uh, communicate these out, um, to, to our partners, et cetera, a lot of different places for you to go. But, um, and I know not all this is mapped out, but I know some of it is in your head at least. So yeah, now that David Staley is getting more focused, uh, on product, what is, what does that mean for digital? Well, I think you're right. One is, um, I think, uh, we need to set almost reset, if you will, like the VTO for product. So what is the goal of product? for digital think from that then we can back into just like everything else like what is the 10-year plan for this um and then what are those milestones along the way the one and three-year milestones i think one thing that's really important to me is um having uh, everybody feel like they can contribute we've we've said this internally at bunch i don't know how much we've talked about on here but i i want ideas to be coming from the ground up and other places and not just originating with you or me. I think that's super important for the company's health long-term. So somehow we need to you talk about economic engine, but we need an idea engine. So how can we get that idea engine kickstarted and, and have people feel that, um, that they, they know when to bring an idea forward. Like it, we help like instigate those ideas somehow like a shark tank or something. And then how do we show that like there can be uh, traction on that? So it's not just a brainstorm session that then like all this disappears afterwards and it's a fun half hour. So I think that's important. So we'll have to set that vision. Then we'll have to uh, develop like somehow that how, how we're going to operationalize this idea engine. So it's not just reliant on a couple people. And then we got to work a lot on our uh, process. Um, so how, how do we shoot bullets versus cannonballs? How do we then do our product rollout and what's our distribution look like? How much internal versus how much external? So there's a lot to do there. I think that this, I'd say this next 12 months is getting all of that, like in a really good concept and starting phase, um, and continue with the products we already have. We have a, a pipeline of stuff that we're, it's almost like we're, uh, not to keep, comparing to Tesla or something, but it's like they announced the cyber truck and they still haven't released the cyber truck. Right. So that's kind of us. We have some of these cyber trucks that we've been working on and we need to get them out the door. That gives us time to get all of the, the, you know, organizational design stuff in order. Uh, and then hopefully 12 months from now, will be well on the way to, to taking the next step. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. I'm definitely excited for you. And I think, um, 
you know, you've been spreading your wings obviously for, uh, <laughs> for years now, but, um, this, as you talk about the next step, next chapter, I think this is going to be a really fun one. Um, as you, as you do, I guess, devote more of your time towards it. And I'll be curious cause we've, we've riffed on a couple of books around product, but not nowhere near as many as we have kind of company building. You know, we've talked about hooked, um, and zero to one with Peter Thiel, which isn't all about product per se, but just be interested, um, you know, what, what will strike you as far as, um, some kind of foundation and, you know, as you look to build framework, cause I mean, we've, we have talked a little bit about, you know, just the org design and, you know, that could sit under tech that could sit under product. Um, you know, uh, well, I'll just stop there, but just, I'm, I'm curious where, where you land as you start to, to do more research and feel like, you know, you got, uh, kind of got your bearings. Yeah. So that'll be a good follow-up for us. Uh, I feel like we could, you know, as always, extend this a little further, but we we have another engagement yeah. here coming yeah. soon. So, all right. Well, thanks for anybody that made it this far. Hope you got something out of it. Uh, read our title. I don't even know what we're going to call this thing, so we'll figure it out, and then we'll see if it if it sticks. Yeah. Good luck with that. I'll put that on you. Yeah. All right. If you think the title didn't stick, you can complain to hello at digital dot com. Uh, there you go. I got it in. See, Erica. Nice job. Yeah, thank you. Yep. All right, guys. Catch you later. See ya.